and this, and this. <laughs> Good morning, dear friends. Sound is okay? June 2nd. 2020. We rise a little early, make our way to our meditation hall, the virtual meditation hall, and join together across remarkable distances, which of course in the realm of non-duality and spirit are not real anyway. Uh, to come together and be peaceful, to study our own hearts and minds, and then when the time is right, perhaps to make our actions in the world. I have a poem this morning from Mary Oliver, short, powerful. The old poets of China Wherever I am, the world comes after me. It offers me its busyness. It does not believe that I do not want it. Now I understand why the old poets of China went so far and high into the mountains and then crept into the pale mist. Wherever I am, the world comes after me. It offers me its busyness. It does not believe that I do not want it. Now I understand why the old poets of China went so far and high into the mountains and then crept into the pale mist. Moving the microphone and the keyboard. I'm Robert Beatty. This meeting is coming to you. That where I am is a tent in <laughs> Eastern Beaverton, Oregon. And uh, this is a broadcast of the Portland Insight Meditation Community. If you haven't been there, I highly recommend you visit portlandinsight.org. And uh, there's riches there, incredible riches of talks and information, the life of a community. And what can we take refuge in a world where so much is in question right now? refuge in being awake in the natural laws of the universe, the Dharma, and in the community of practice, the community of those who down through time have actually done exactly what we're doing and found some taste of freedom, taste of real love and compassion 
I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya, Namo Sangaya. The aging human body is quite something to experience and behold. I did a building project of some raised beds recently and spent a lot of time with my hands working hard. And now I have bilateral carpal tunnel syndrome, which is, I hope, temporary. But the A chord is difficult to reach without tweaking that nerve. So I was observing, it was got, got kind of funny. It's like when the A was coming up, I'd be a little fearful. It's like, oh no, is it gonna do it? A little distracting. But such is the aging, this aging human body. So let us creep into the mist. Let us find our place of refuge, of practice. Lest I forget, and lest some of you leave, need to leave before the end of the meditation, on the chat, there is a link which will take you to Acceptiva. Uh, anyway, that link will take you to the place where you can get the link for this broadcast. Beginning next Monday, it will be a very different link, totally different link. So uh, sometime between now and then, I encourage you to get that link. And you can also get it on the website. It'll be available for you uh, all the time on the website. So with that announcement done, landing here in the body, As always, simply noticing how alive it is. 
And the aliveness shows itself in sensations. The contact of the body with the chair the life in the hands, the life in the face. And the coming and going of the breath.
we practice and strengthen the mental factor of concentration by having a primary object, a training object, a home base. How fully can we in this moment focus the awareness on the actual sensations of in-breathing and out-breathing. Simultaneously, we cultivate and strengthen mindfulness Mindfulness, which is that mysterious capacity of remembering what's happening, of being aware of what's occurring. Including what's happening with concentration. We can be mindful of whether concentration is present or not. Every time the mind wanders, is an opportunity for the strengthening of awareness. The mind strays off into thoughts, memories, plans, wanting, not wanting, restlessness, agitation, worry, sleepy dullness, doubt, or any of the emotions. And mindfulness is deeper and bigger than any and all of them. From the very first moment of our spiritual journey, it rests 
in the practice and quality of ahimsa, non-violence, non-coercion. And there is no way to peace. Peace is the way. So right now we practice the intention of being with the primary object a willingness to allow what happens to happen and the commitment to waking up no matter how short or long the wandering mind is. A commitment to curiosity and persistence.
in the Satipatthana Sutra, the teachings on mindfulness. The Buddha is quoted as saying, just as a person working on a lathe, turning wood products, This person knows when they do a long curve, a long turn or a short one. And it translates to mean, how intimate can you be with the details, with the up close and personal experience of this breathing in? this one and only time of this breath's existence, of this breathing out. There is no predicting what will arise 
in the mind, in the body, in any particular moment. There are the phenomena of moods and moods color everything. They color our perceptions. What can become more and more predictable is that we find a place of peaceful tranquility and a willingness to be open to whatever is. And with the attitude and practice of ahimsa, of nonviolence, everything that arises passes away.
The central question of the spiritual life is who am I? What am I? Is there a disruption in the sound? No, thank you. Who am I? Am I these thoughts? Am I this body, ultimately? Am I these opinions? Am I in opposition to someone else? To something else? Whenever we become aware of awareness itself, arising with its objects. We take a step toward freedom. When we're locked in a mood, depression, anger, fear, excitement, confidence, inflation, It's a step toward freedom to realize, oh, this is mood. What am I? Perhaps I am that which is awake to it all. Or perhaps that points in the direction of freedom at least. We might ask the question in these times of social turmoil in America, what side will I be on? And we might ask, do I need to be on any side? Perhaps there's enough room in the human heart to recognize and respond compassionately to the suffering of all beings, to all beings who are trapped in ideologies, political positions, constricted in hatred, in fear, 
Perhaps we can observe as our own consciousness constricts. And expands. It's actually part of the third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of mental formations. To observe when the mind is contracted and when it is expanded. There's a certain feeling to contraction. It's a little tight. Can get a little heady and certain of itself. And there's a certain experience and feeling of expansion. Where there is the sure knowledge of interbeing with everyone and all creatures. Grounding in the body, in the heart of this moment. Let's imagine that there's a golden being sitting in the middle of your heart, shaped exactly like you. It could be Kuan Yin or Mary or the Buddha or Jesus or whatever archetypal figure you'd like to conjure up. Or simply imagine a warm energy and let that flow from this tiny little being to you, to fill you, to touch your uncertainties and fears and whatever illnesses you have. Simply opening in love to you and compassion, a willingness a willingness to feel the suffering of your life. And now imagining this little being grows to be your size exactly. And you realize that you are he, she, they, them. And feel all the life at the surface of your body and become a radiator of this to everyone around you, to everyone on this broadcast. And out into the world, to your loved ones, to those you cherish, compassionately holding them And further out to include your friends and relatives, the people who live around you. And in this time of great turmoil, to all sides, to all beings who are identified with a side, to African-Americans, 
and all people of color. To white people, to the police, to those who are in positions of leadership, whether they are behaving skillfully or not. And opening our hearts in compassion does not mean condoning unskillfulness or hatred or misbehavior. It just means that we step off the pedestal of righteousness and certainty and the denial that we could not be in any of these shoes. Bringing nonviolence to our own inner life. May all beings everywhere be touched by the merits of our practice. May all beings everywhere find their way home to peacefulness and the love that they've always wanted. And now becoming aware of your eyes and you might remain this radiant being for the day. How is it to go through the world as the Buddha, as Guan Yin? Notice your eyes and then notice the effort that's required to let them open. Let them open and they will fall upon your friends, your Dharma, your Dharma colleagues. Pick one of these people and wish them well. It's really effortless and very beneficial to us. Every single one of us here on this screen struggles with being a human being, with confusion, with constriction into opinions with concerns about our health with the loss of friends and loved ones as rena sirkar used to say recognizing this how can we and be anything but loving It's not quite right. She said, remembering this. <laughs> I have a very short little dharmet, which I've already said actually this morning several ways, but I've had some experiences and conversations in the last 24 hours that make it apparent to me how important it is that I um, r 
remain conscious of ideas and beliefs and attitudes and the, the tendency that we have to pick a side, to pick a side and then villainize the other side and to, uh, to, uh, to see all examples of the humanity of the other side uh, as propaganda or not real. And uh, I think when we do that, all is lost because then there's no room for dialogue. There's the certainty I'm right and they're the bad people. And um, I don't think there are good and bad people. There are people with more or less ignorance and more or less power to act on their ignorance. But fundamentally it's us. What did Pogo say? It was, we have met the enemy and he is us. Or they are us, I suppose. So I have the recurring announcement next Saturday morning, Betsy Toll and I will be doing a four hour retreat uh, on using this time of now unrest before it was when we started thinking about it, it was mostly coronavirus time, um, to use it to further open our hearts and to come out of it more loving and to, to, to not be Pollyanna-ish, if that's a word, but uh, to really look deeply into what's happening for us now and uh, to make decisions about how to be part of the wholesome outcomes that will come from this. And uh, please feel invited to go to the portlandinsight.org website and look at the other, other offerings that tonight Gary Sanders is teaching and then tomorrow night Gregory Maloof is. Uh, Jim was on last night, I guess, Jim Dalton. And to participate to whatever degree fits you for support in these times. So I think with that, I want to open, oh, first, um, my apologies to those of you on Facebook and uh, YouTube. I don't know why, but I came out of meditation and I looked at my computer again today. It had gone black and the, the feed stopped. And I'm not sure what to do about that. But if there's someone out there who watches routinely on Facebook or YouTube, would you please get in touch with me, robert at robertbeattie.com? Because uh, I'd like someone who could monitor that and text me if the feed goes down. So there, I tried to do that. It's really hard to juggle all these electronic things when they keep misbehaving. <laughs> so with that, I'd like to open up to those of you who would like to share something today. And particularly, I'd like to invite the quiet voices to come forward if you wish. What are you experiencing or what question might you have or just what is occurring for you? 
have to turn off my heater. Robert, it's Linnell. Hello, Linnell. I've been dealing, working with, hopefully, um, not necessarily othering, but the comment you made about people who don't, are less educated, who aren't aligned with my beliefs. And I think it's going to come to a head with the potential vaccine, if there is something that will help us. I have anti-vaxxers in my life, and it's hard for me to sit there and watch someone propose to their daughter not to provide vaccines to their grandchild. And um, I guess it will just become a health decision for me if I choose to spend time with my family, if they won't take the flu shot or try to um, protect, not necessarily themselves, but others. I mean, I remember years ago when I didn't take flu shots and people said, I said, oh, you know, I'm not high risk. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. And they said, but Linnell, you spend time with people who are high risk. And so I started getting flu shots. And um, I was just interested if you have some coping mechanisms for me to work through this, <laughs> or maybe what your thoughts came up yesterday as you were thinking about it. Well, mostly right now I feel sad that when we have loved ones who have very different ideas and they're not ideas of low consequence. And when one has done, when you've done what you can to express where you're at and what your preferences would be, and then people simply decline to do it, then all there's left is acceptance and uh, sadness. And uh, I've in a couple of relationships, uh, I've just I've just stepped out of the conflict. I will not go there. But then, just accepting something that is, <laughs> in my understanding, unacceptable. Uh, it's so it's so painful. I don't think that's much help, except it can lower the. Th torture level of it you know it's, it's right i mean we're right there in the first three the four noble truths there is suffering being with people you don't want to be with being with people who have ideas which are antithetical to yours and which are you you deem i deem uh dangerous unhealthy uh, thoughtless um selfish uh, and then what's, what's the cause of my suffering? Well, I don't want it to be like that. I don't want that to be the case. I, I want to be able to have an intimate conversation. I want to be able to have, I want to be able to have a conversation even to, 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 it's very, it's very difficult or impossible to have a conversation about such things with people who don't see that their opinions are opinions. And we're talking about opinions. We're talking about ideas. 
it's not just I'm right, you're wrong. Um, anyway, and then the the third noble truth, which is the sweet taste of relief when we accept I'm causing this suffering through this view, this person should be different, and all I can do is let go of it. And I find it very difficult. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes, thank you. It's the way of the world. I haven't read maybe anything about the Civil War. Um, but the, the thing that's coming to mind now, the, the views, oh, here's the sadness. The views on slavery split families down the middle brothers and sons and fathers and it was true among the women too, no doubt, uh, grew to hate each other and took opposite sides and killed each other in the Civil War around this issue of slavery. And uh, I've, I've heard, heard a story that the, the whole creation really of Thanksgiving was to bring to give an occasion for families to come back together after the horrors of the Civil War so that people would once again meet. And so it's the same issue, same old issue. Um, but how painful it is when, when we have such profound differences of opinion with family members over major issues. It's really difficult. I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. I do not take refuge in family. I live in family. I do my best to have peace in the family, but in one of the great bizarre wonders of the world <laughs> is watching how one's children diverge from each other and from sometimes from values that we hold dear. Because each of us has our own destiny, our own karmic journey.
<laughs> Linnell, I just had a terrible thought. <laughs> this is not a nonviolent accepting thought. It's wouldn't it be great if there were a vaccine developed that you could slip into the children's cereal? <laughs> Secretly, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. The good news of that story is the mother of the child will have their child vaccinated. It's the grandmother that's having a problem. Oh, oh, good. good. <laughs> it's just hard for me to watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this mind is on a wild tear right now. I just, I just had an image <laughs> of uh, after breakfast with the whole family present, maybe the extended family. Oh, oh, uh, dear family, you've all had a significant dose of LSD with your breakfast this morning. And, and we're about to have a very interesting morning as we confront our shadows and try to find love with each other. <laughs> <laughs> Not, of course. <laughs> that would be bad. Robert, I, I want to share one thing in David, your... David, hi. Uh, hello. Uh, because you were talking about the Civil War and it, it got me thinking, I, I'm part of a group of actors that reenact the Second Virginia Convention of March 23, 1775, when uh, Patrick Henry stood up in front of the convention and said, give me liberty and give me death right here in Richmond, Virginia, don't you know? Mm. And as the, the story is that after he gave that speech, which of course resonated all around the colonies, um, Robert Pleasant, who was a Quaker in Pennsylvania, wrote to him and said, Sir, I don't have his exact language, but Sir, I find it ironic that you, uh, being such an ardent proponent of liberty, are in fact a slaveholder. And of course, every man, and it was only men at the convention, were slaveholders. And Patrick Henry, to his credit, wrote back to Pleasant and said, Sir, I have no excuse at all that I can make other than to say that to do otherwise would be inconvenient which sounds harsh to the ear, but back in the day, slavery was the economy of the South. It was wealth. It was what, what people passed on to their heirs. It was, other than land, it was the wealth of the South. And uh, for him, anyone to go against that was against the whole social economic order. Uh, this, of course, was just pre-revolution. But I, when I do this i just i think in terms of the things that today we should give up but gosh it's inconvenient like cars air travel the trace minerals in our cell phones that are being mined uh through slave labor in africa and elsewhere um and comes back to compassion you know the issues aren't about just making up your mind it's about sorry cat um what it is to be human and how humans have evolved since the Big Bang and we weren't given an instruction manual and to, you know, the things we can change and have compassion for the things we can't. 
in your loving kindness meditation, I was, I was taking your Buddha from the heart and I started thinking of President Trump and I wrapped him in bubble wrap. I, I, wanted, I wanted him not to be harmed, but I wanted him not to harm others and to encase him in something that would restrain him without harming him. Mm. Um, and that's kind of how I am viewing the compassion for, you know, I can't actually do that. I don't have the power. I, the Secret Service would get to me first. All I can do is vote in November. Um, but at least in my heart, whenever I find the anger well up, I, if I have awareness, I can just try to wrap. It ends up being the anger in my heart that I'm wrapping in bubble wrap. Um, anyway, that's my... Thank you, David. Reasons. If we see a headline, David Meyer arrested at White House with <laughs> large boxes of bubble wrap. We'll know what happened. You'll know what that was all about. You know, <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have my FedEx sticker pre-printed to put on top of it. Robert? Russell. Hi. Um, when you commented about the Civil War, I could feel the terror arise in myself. Not because it's a new thought, but I tend to worry that we are right on the verge of another one. And to hear you put it into words, to have my thoughts that I can set aside in words was quite unsettling. And why am I glad for the refuges? Um, it's a terrifying time and we have um, ahead of the government who I believe would, is moving toward a dictatorship unless stopped by others. And that stoppage seems to me to be unclear at this point. So um, no matter how the current crises work out. That's the big one in the background for me. And I'm, um, I'm just saying that, that because it helps me to put it to words. And quick announcement, um, various people were interested in the origin of, or how they might access the COVID-19 song that my brothers wrote 
and I think you may have posted it, but I just wanted to say it is on, definitely it's on the website of my brother, rogerfreeland.com, and I think you can purchase it for a whopping 99 cents. Great. Thank you. rogerfreeland.com. Yeah. And I have the name of the female artist, if you want that. What's her name? Oh, her name, just a second, while I check the email. The singer, I mean, not the yeah. artist. The singer. Yeah, I'm going to Her name is Devin Rush, and that's D-E-V-Y-N, Rush. And she has her own website, devinrush.com. Well, I should tell you that, that Roger has uh, told me that I'll get a finder's commission of 10% for all the ones he sells. And I can't wait to get nine cents. <laughs> that was a spurious offer, but it still amused me. I put those names on the, on the chat just now, too. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Sir. Thank you. If I can ask, and uh, you may have said, when do the new codes for these Zoom meetings start happening? When do they Monday. take place? Monday? Okay. Monday Thanks. next week. Oh, oh, and <laughs> it's funny. I feel odd about it. Uh, I am not going to be broadcasting this on Saturday mornings. I'm giving myself a day off. So Monday through Friday at 7 and then Sundays at 10. I had a little bit of a crash and burn over the weekend and it became clear that I needed a little more downtime. Well, 8.05, quite quiet this morning as a group. Anybody sitting with something that you'd like to share? I'll share, but I'm not gonna turn my video on, it's Susan. Hi, Susan. Um, one of the things, I really appreciate everything that's been said. And one of the things that always sits on my mind is um, the word we. We, we often, um, it becomes a generalization. And instead of people being seen as unique individuals with experiences and ideas and, and reasons, the curiosity disappears. Huh. Can you say more? Well, yeah. Like one, one of the times that it really struck me was I was reading a book and uh, uh, this person was walking up a mountain and, and saw a telephone tower at the top and was really distraught about it and said, well, we can't stand this or, you know, like this is just, just atrocious and we need to do something about that. And, and I'm going, but, 
maybe that's not a problem for me. Maybe I live at the bottom of the hill and it's really important for me to have that access to communication. Mm. And so it, I find it, um, it distressing and it's easy to fall into. I catch myself many times as well. Um, generalizing or, or using the we word. I mean, there is a togetherness in we, but there is a, there is a real, um, oh, it's a problem is not quite the word that I want, but falling into saying that, and, and I guess it goes into they, you know, they, like the, all the police or all the black people or all these people, like, just like you said, like this whole sort of victimization and villainization becomes everybody when we start to fall into the generalizing um, trap. Mm. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Thank you. That was on my mind. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you shared it. Yeah. Well, perhaps it's time to head off into our lives and see how loving and compassionate and wise we can be today. And merciful with our successes and failures at that. So, I don't see Stephanie this morning. Are you there, Stephanie, with the boys? I think not. Hmm. That being the case, let's end with Ya Fatah one of the 101 beautiful names of the divine from Islam. It means, may the path of your heart open before you. May the true path of your loving, compassionate heart open before you. It's done like this. You bring your hands to your heart, fill it with love, and then, ya fatah, and you. We cast this over in this direction. Between us, given all the different directions we're facing, I bet we can cover the whole world Yafata. And let's do it six times. And I'm going to open the sound so we can all hear. Unmute all. So may the path of your heart open before you. Yafata. Yafata. 
Ya. 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 Very beautiful. Hmm. Thank you, dear friends. I look forward to gathering with you a little after dawn tomorrow. Because I got to see you every morning, right? Yeah, you usually don't see that in the morning, huh? They both come and give me a big hug. Oh, that's so nice. Is there anything I can do to help you when you're in your meeting? Do you want me to have, oh, can you plug this in? Do you want me to have, like, make your lunch for you so you can get it? No. May all beings be happy. Yeah. I'm making some smush lentils. I may have spaces. Like when can you have your headphones on to be in the kitchen? Like what I do? I don't know, maybe. If you have your, oh, you don't have a laptop. I mean, could you listen to it while you're making your lunch? And life, life in its okay. ordinariness. Right. Take care, beloveds.